The Lotus Sutra, Chapter 2, Expedient Means At that time, the world-honored one calmly arose from his samadhi and addressed Shariputra, saying, The wisdom of the Buddhas is infinitely profound and immeasurable. The door to this wisdom is difficult to understand and difficult to enter. Not one of the voice-hearers or Pratyatka Buddhas is able to comprehend it. What is the reason for this? The Buddhists have personally attended a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand, a million, a countless number of Buddhas, and have fully carried out an immeasurable number of Buddhas' ways and doctrines. They have exerted themselves bravely and vigorously, and their names are universally known. They have realized the law is profound and never known before, and preach it in accordance with what is appropriate. Yet their intentions are difficult to understand. Shariputra, ever since I attained Buddhahood, I have, through various causes and various similes, widely expounded my teachings, and have used countless expedient means to guide living beings and cause them to renounce their attachments. Why is this? Because the thus-come ones are fully possessed of both expedient means and the Paramitra of wisdom. Shariputra, the wisdom of the thus-come ones is expansive and profound. They have immeasurable compassion, unlimited eloquence, power, fearlessness, concentration, emancipation, and samadhis, and have deeply entered the boundless and awakened to the law never before attained. Thus come ones know how to make various distinctions and to expound the teachings skillfully. Their words are soft and gentle, and can delight the hearts of the assembly. Shariputra, to sum it up, the Buddhists have fully realized the law that is limitless boundless, never attained before. But stop, Shariputra, I will say no more. Why? Because what the Buddhas have achieved is the rarest and most difficult to understand law. The true aspect of all phenomena can only be understood and shared between Buddhas. This reality consists of the appearance, nature, entity, power, influence, internal cause, relation, latent effect, manifest effect, and their consistency from beginning to end. At that time, the world-honored one, wishing to state his meaning once more, spoke in verse form, saying, The heroes of the world are unfathomable. Among heavenly beings or the people of the world, among all living beings, none can understand the Buddhas. The Buddha's power, fearlessness, emancipation, and samadhis and the Buddha's other attributes. No one can reckon nor fathom. Earlier, under the guidance of countless Buddhas, I fully acquired and practiced various ways, profound and subtle and wonderful doctrines, that are hard to see and hard to understand. Having practiced these ways for immeasurable millions of kalpas, in the place of enlightenment I achieved the goal. I have already come to see and know completely the meaning of this great effect, the various natures and appearances. I and the Buddhas of the Ten Directions can now understand these things. This law cannot be described. Among the other kinds of living beings, there are none who can comprehend it, except the many Buddhasattvas who are firm in the power of faith. The many disciples of the Buddhas in the past have given offerings to the Buddhas, have already cut off all outflows, and now are dwelling in their last incarnations. 
but even such persons as they have not the power needed. Even if the whole world were filled with men like Shariputra, though they exhausted their thoughts and pooled their capacities, they could not fathom the Buddha wisdom. Even if the ten directions were all filled with men like Shariputra, or like other disciples, though they filled the lands in the ten directions and exhausted their thoughts and pooled their capacities, still they could not understand it. If Prayetkabuddha's acute understanding without outflows in their last incarnations should fill the worlds in the ten directions, as numerous as bamboos in a grove, though they should join together with one mind for a million or for countless kalpas, hoping to conceive of the Buddha's true wisdom, they could not understand the smallest part of it. If Buddhasattvas newly embarked on their course should give offerings to numberless Buddhas, completely mastering the intent of the various doctrines and also able to preach them effectively, like so many rice and hemp plants, bamboos or reeds, filling the lands in the ten directions, with a single mind, with their wonderful wisdom, for kalpas numerous as Ganji's sands, should altogether pool their thoughts and capacities, they could not understand the Buddha wisdom. If Buddhasattvas who never regress, their number like the Ganges sands, with a single mind should join in pondering and seeking, they could not understand it either. I also announce to you, Shariputra, that this profound, subtle, and wonderful law, without outflows, incomprehensible, I have now attained in full. Only I understand its characteristics, and the Buddhas of the Ten Directions do likewise. Shariputra, you should know that the words of the various Buddhas never differ. Toward the law preached by the Buddhas, you must cultivate a great power of faith. The world-honored one has long expounded his doctrines, and now must reveal the truth. And to those who seek the vehicle of the cause-awakened one, I have enabled people to escape the bonds of suffering and to attain nirvana. The Buddha, through the power of expedient means, has shown them the teachings of the three vehicles, prying living beings loose from this or that attachment and allowing them to attain release. At that time among the great assembly there were the voice-hearers, arhats, whose outflows had come to an end, Ajnata, Kaundya, and others numbering twelve hundred persons. And they were monks, nuns, laymen, and laywomen, who had conceived a desire to become voice-hearers or prayatkabuddhas. Each of these had his thought. Now for what reason does the world-honored one so earnestly praise expedient means and state the law attained by the Buddha is profound and difficult to understand, that it is very difficult to comprehend the meaning of the words he preaches, that not one of the voice-hearers or prayatkabuddhas can do so? If the Buddha preaches but one doctrine of emancipation, then we too should be able to attain this law and reach the state of nirvana. We cannot follow the gist of what he is saying now. At that time, Shariputra understood the doubts that were in their minds of the four kinds of believers, and he himself did not yet fully comprehend. So he addressed the Buddha, saying, World-honored one, what causes and conditions lead you to earnestly praise the foremost expedient means of the Buddhas, the profound, subtle, and wonderful law that is difficult to understand? From the times past, I have n never heard this kind of preaching from the Buddha. Now, the four kinds of believers all have doubts, 
We beg that the World Honored One will expound this matter. For what reason does the World Honored One earnestly praise the law that is profound, subtle, and wonderful, difficult to understand? At that time, Sharbutra, wishing to state his meaning once more, spoke in verse form, saying, <clears throat> Son of wisdom, great sage and venerable one, at long last you preach this law. You yourself declare you have attained power, fearlessness, samadhis, concentration, emancipation, and other such attributes, and the law that is beyond comprehension. This law attained in the place of enlightenment. No one is capable of questioning you about. My intention is to hard is hard to fathom, and no one can question me. No one questions, yet you yourself preach, praising the path you walk on. Your wisdom is very subtle and wonderful, that which all the Buddhas attain. The Arhats, who are without outflows, and those who seek nirvana, now have all fallen into the debt of doubt. Wondering for what reason the Buddha preaches this, those who seek to become cause-awakened ones, the monks and nuns, heavenly beings, dragons and spirits, and garvaharas, and others, look at one another, filled with perplexity, gazing upward at the most honored of two-legged beings. What is the meaning of all this? I beg the Buddha to explain it for us. Among the assembly of voice-hearers, the Buddha has said, I am foremost. Yet now I lack the wisdom to solve these doubts and perplexities. Have I, in fact, grasped the ultimate law, or am I still on the path of practice? Gaze upward and wait. We beg you to put forth subtle and wonderful sounds, and at this time explain to us how it really is. The heavenly beings, dragons, and others, their numbers like the Ganges sands, the Bodhisattvas seeking the, to be Buddhas, and a great force of 80,000, as well as the wheel-turning sage kings, come from ten thousands of millions of lands, all press their palms, and with reverent minds, wish to hear the teaching of perfect endowment. At that time, the Buddha addressed Sariputra, saying, Stop, stop! There is no need to speak further. If I speak of this matter, then the heavenly and human beings throughout the worlds will all be astonished and doubtful. Sariputra once more spoke to the Buddha, saying, World Honored One, we beg you to preach. We beg you to preach. What is the reason? Because this assembly of countless hundreds, thousands, ten thousands, millions of asapkayas of living beings in the past have seen the Buddhas. Their faculties are vigorous and acute, and their wisdom is bright. If they hear the Buddha preach, they will be capable of reverent belief. At that time, Sharapuja, wishing to state his meaning once more, spoke in verse form, saying, Dharma King, None more highly honored, speak, we beg you, without, re without reserve. In this assembly of numberless beings are those capable of reverent belief. The Buddha stopped Shariputra, saying, If I speak on this matter, the heavenly and human beings and asuras throughout the worlds will all be astonished and doubtful. The monks who are overbearingly arrogant will fall into a great pit. At that time, the World Honored One reported, repeated what he had said in verse form. Stop, stop, no need to speak. My law is wonderful and difficult to ponder. Those who are overbearingly arrogant when they hear it will never show reverent belief. <clears throat> At that time, Sharapuja once more spoke to the Buddha, saying, 
World honored one, we beg you to preach. We beg you to preach. In this assembly and at present persons like myself number in the hundreds and thousands, ten thousands, millions. In age after age, we have already attended the Buddhas and received instruction. People of this kind are certain to be capable of reverent belief. Throughout the long night, they will gain peace and rest and will enjoy many benefits. At that time, Shariputra, wishing to state his meaning once more, spoke in verse form, saying, Supremely honored among two-legged beings, we beg you to preach this foremost law. I, who am regarded as the Buddha's eldest son, ask you to favor us by making distinctions and preaching. The countless members of this assembly are capable of according reverent belief to this law. The Buddhas have already, in age after age, taught and converted them in this manner. All with a single mind and palms pressed together desire to hear and receive the Buddha's words. I and the others of the twelve hundred of our group, as well as the others who seek to become Buddhas, beg that for the sake of this assembly you will favor us by making distinctions and preaching. When we hear this law, we will be filled with great joy. At that time, the world-honored one said to Shariputra, Three times you have stated your earnest request. How can I do other than preach? Now you must listen attentively and carefully ponder. For your sake, I will now analyze and explain the matter. When he had spoken these words, there were some five thousand monks, nuns and laymen and laywomen in the assembly who immediately rose from their seats, bowed to the Buddha, and withdrew. What was the reason for this? These persons had roots of guilt that were deep and manifold, and in addition they were overbearingly arrogant. What they had not attained they supposed they had attained. What they had not understood they supposed they had understood. And because they had this feeling, and because they had this failing, they did not remain where they were. The world-honored one was silent and did not try to detain them. At this time the Buddha said to Shariputra, now this assembly of mine is free of branches and leaves, made up solely of the steadfast and truthful. Shariputra, it is well that these persons of overbearing arrogance have withdrawn. Now listen carefully, and I will preach for you. Shariputra said, So be it, world-honored one, we are eager to listen. The Buddha said to Shariputra, A wonderful law such as this is preached by the Buddhas, the thus come ones at certain times. But like the blooming of the Adumbara, such times come very seldom. Shariputra, you and the others must believe me. The words that the Buddhas preach are not empty or false. Shariputra, the Buddhas preach the law in accordance with what is appropriate, but the meaning is difficult to understand. Why is this? Because we employ countless expedient means discussing causes and conditions and using words of simile and parable to expound the teachings. This law is not something that can be understood through pondering or analysis. Only those who are Buddhas can understand it. Why is this? Because the Buddhas, the world-honored ones, appear in the world for one great reason alone. Shariputra, what does it mean to say that the Buddhas, the world-honored ones, appear in the world for one, one great reason alone? The Buddhas, the world-honored ones, wish to open the door of Buddha wisdom to all living beings, to allow them to attain purity. That is why they appear in the world. They wish to show the Buddha wisdom to living beings, 
and therefore they appear in the world. They wish to cause living beings to awaken to the Buddha wisdom, and therefore they appear in the world. They wish to induce living beings to enter the path of Buddha wisdom, and therefore they appear in the world. Shariputra, this is one great reason for which the Buddhas appear in the world. This is the one great reason for which Buddhas appear in the world. The Buddha said to Shariputra, The Buddhas, the thus come ones, simply teach and convert the bodhisattvas. All the things they do are at all times done for this one purpose. They simply wish to show the Buddha wisdom to living beings and enlighten them to it. Shariputra, the thus come ones, have only the single Buddha vehicle that they employ in order to preach the law to living beings. They do not have any other vehicle, a second one or a third one. Shariputra, the law preached by all Buddhas of the ten directions is the same as this. Shariputra, the Buddhas of the past used countless numbers of expedient means, various causes and conditions, and words of simile and parable in order to expound the doctrines for the sake of living beings. These doctrines are all for the sake of the one Buddha vehicle. These living beings, by listening to the doctrines of the Buddhas, are all eventually able to attain wisdom, embracing all species. Shariputra, when the Buddhas of the future make their appearance in the world, they too will use countless numbers of expedient means, various causes and conditions, and words of simile and parable in order to expound the doctrines for the sake of living beings. These doctrines will all be for the sake of the one Buddha vehicle. And these living beings, by listening to the doctrines of the Buddhas, will all eventually be able to attain wisdom embracing all species. The world-honored ones, who exist at present in the countless hundreds, thousands, ten thousands, and millions of Buddha lands in the ten directions, benefit and bring peace and happiness to living beings in large measure. These Buddhas, too, use countless numbers of expedient means, various causes and conditions, and words of simile and parable in order to expound the doctrines for the sake of living beings. These doctrines are all for the sake of the one Buddha vehicle, and these living beings, by listening to the doctrines of the Buddhas, are all eventually able to attain wisdom embracing all species. Shariputra, these Buddhas simply teach and convert the Bodhisattvas. They do it because they wish to show the Buddha wisdom to living beings. They do it because they wish to awaken living beings to the Buddha wisdom. They do it because they wish to cause living beings to enter the path of Buddha wisdom. Shariputra, I too now will do the same. I know that living beings have various desires, attachments that are deeply implanted in their minds. Taking cognizance of this basic nature of theirs, I will therefore use various causes and conditions, words of simile and parable and the power of expedient means, and expound the doctrines for them. Shariputra, I do this so that all of them may attain the one Buddha vehicle and wisdom embracing all species. Shariputra, in the words of the ten directions, in the worlds of the ten directions, there are not two vehicles, much less three. Shariputra, the Buddhas appear in evil worlds of five and of the five imp impurities. 
These are the so-called impurity of the age, impurity of desire, impurity of living beings, impurity of view, and impurity of lifespan. Shariputra, when the age is impure <clears throat> and the times are chaotic, then the defilements of living beings are grave. They are greedy and jealous and put down roots that are not good. Because of this, the Buddhas, utilizing the power of expedient means, apply distinctions to the one Buddha vehicle and preach as though it were three. Shariputra, if any of my disciples should claim to be an Arhat or a Prayatka Buddha and yet does not need, does not heed or understand that the Buddhas, the thus come ones, simply teach and convert the Buddhasattvas, then he is no disciple of mine. He is no Arhat or a Prayatka Buddha. Again, Shariputra, if there should be monks or nuns who claim that they have already attained the status of Arhat, that these are their last incarnations, that they have reached the final nirvana, and that they therefore have no further intention of seeking supreme perfect enlightenment, then you should understand that such as these are all persons of overbearing arrogance. Why do I say this? Because if there are monks who have truly attained the status of Arhat, then it would be unthinkable that they should fail to believe this law. The only exception would be one in time after the Buddha had passed away. Would be in a time after the Buddha had passed away, where there was no Buddha present in the world. Why is this? Because after the Buddha has passed, after the Buddha has passed away, it will be difficult to find those who can embrace, read, recite, and understand the meaning of a sutra such as this. But if they encounter another Buddha, then they will attain decisive understanding with regard to this law. Shariputra, you and the others should, with a single mind, believe and accept the words of the Buddha. The words of the Buddhas, the thus come ones, are not empty or false. There is no other vehicle. There is only the one Buddha vehicle. At that time, the world-honored one, wishing to state his meaning once more, spoke in verse form, saying, who believe with overbearing arrogance, laymen full of self-esteem, lay women who are lacking in faith. Among the four kinds of believers, the likes of these number 5,000. They fail to see their own errors, are heedless and remiss with regard to the precepts, clinging to their shortcomings, unwilling to change. But these persons of small wisdom have already left the chaff among this assembly has departed in the face of the Buddha's authority. These persons were of paltry merit and virtue, incapable of receiving this law. This assembly is now free of the branches and leaves, made up only of those steadfast and truthful. Shariputra, listen carefully. For the law that the Buddhas have attained, through the power of countless expedient means, they preach for the benefit of living beings. The thoughts that are in the minds of living beings, the different types of paths they follow, their various desires and natures, the good and bad deeds that they have done in previous existences, all these the Buddha takes cognizance of. And then he employs causes, similes, and parables, words that embody the power of expedient means, in order to gladden and please them all. Sometimes he preaches sutras, 
verses, stories of the previous lives of disciples, stories of the previous lives of the Buddha, of unheard of things. At other times, he preaches regarding origins, uses similes, parables, passages of poetry, or discourses. For those of dull capacities who delight in a lesser teaching, who greedily cling to birth and death, who, despite the innumerable Buddhas, fail to practice the profound and wonderful way, but are perplexed and confused by a host of troubles. For these I preach nirvana. I devise these expedient means, and so cause them to enter into the Buddha wisdom. Up to now, I have never told you that you were certain to attain the Buddha way. The reason I never preached in that manner was that the time to preach so had n not yet come. Was that the time to preach so had not yet come. But now, in this very time, when I must decisively preach the great vehicle, I use these nine devices, adapting them to the living beings when I preach, my basic aim being to lead them into the great vehicle, and that this is why I preach this sutra. There are sons of the Buddha whose minds are pure, who are gentle and of acute capacities, who are under innumerable Buddhas, have practiced the profound and wonderful way. For these sons of the Buddha, I preach this sutra of the great vehicle, and I predict that these persons in a future existence will attain the Buddha way, because deep in their minds they think of the Buddha and practice and uphold the pure precepts that they are assured they will attain Buddhahood, and hearing this, their whole bodies are filled with great joy. The Buddha knows their minds and their practices, and therefore preaches for them the great vehicle. When the voice-hearers and bodhisattvas hear this law that I preach, as soon as they have heard one verse, they will all without doubt be certain of attaining Buddhahood. In the Buddha lands of the Ten Directions, there is only the law of the one vehicle. There are not two, there are not three, except when the Buddha preaches so as an expedient means, merely employing provisional names and terms in order to conduct and guide living beings and preach to them the Buddha wisdom. The Buddhas appear in the world solely for this one reason, which is true. The other two are not the truth. Never do they use a lesser vehicle to save living beings and ferry them across. The Buddha himself dwells in the great vehicle, and adorned with the power of meditation and wisdom that go with the law he has attained. He uses it to save living beings. I myself testify to the unsurpassed way, the great vehicle, the law in which all things are equal. If I used a lesser vehicle to convert even one person, I would be guilty of stinginess and greed. But such a thing would be impossible. If a person will believe and take refuge in the Buddha, the thus come one will never deceive him, nor will he ever show greed or jealousy, for he has rooted out all evil from among the phenomena. Therefore, throughout the ten directions, the Buddha alone is without fear. I adorn my body with special characteristics and shine my light upon the world. I am honored by numberless multitudes, and for them I preach in the emblem of the reality of things. Shariputra, you should know 
that at the start I took a vow, hoping to make all persons equal to me, without any distinction between us. And what I long ago hoped for has now been fulfilled. I have converted all living beings and caused them all to enter the Buddha way. If when I encounter living beings, I were in all cases to teach them the Buddha way, those without wisdom would become confused and in their bewilderment would fail to accept my teachings. I know that such living beings have never in the past cultivated good roots, but I have stubbornly clung to the five desires, but they have stubbornly clung to the five desires, and their folly and craving have given rise to affliction. Their desires are the cause whereby they fall into the three evil paths, revolving wheel-like through the six paths of existence and undergoing every sort of suffering and pain, having received a tiny, a tiny form in the womb, in existence after existence they constantly grow to maturity. Persons of meager virtue and small merit, they are troubled and beset by manifold sufferings. They stray into the dense forest of mistaken views, debating as to what exists and what does not, and in the end cling to such views, embracing all sixty-two of them, they are profoundly committed to false and empty doctrines, holding firmly to them, unable to set them aside, arrogant and puffed up with self-importance, fawning and devious, insincere in mind. For a thousand, ten thousand, a million kalpas, they will not hear a Buddha's name, nor will they hear the correct teaching. Such people are difficult to save. For these reasons, Shariputra, I have, for the sake of established expedient means, preaching the way that ends all suffering, and showing them nirvana. But although I preach nirvana, this is not a true extinction. All phenomena, from the very first, have of themselves constantly borne the marks of tranquil extinction. Once the sons of the Buddha have carried out the way, then, in future existences, they will be able to become Buddhas. I have employed the power of expedient means to unfold and demonstrate this doctrine of three vehicles, but the world-honored ones, every one of them, all preach the single-vehicle way. Now, before this great assembly, I must clear away all doubts and perplexities. There is no discrepancy in the words of the Buddhas. There is only one vehicle, not two. For numberless kalpas in the past, countless Buddhas who have now entered extinction, a hundred, thousand, ten thousand, million types in numbers incapable of calculation, such world-honored ones, using different types of causes, similes, and parables, the power of countless expedient means, have expounded the characteristics of all phenomena. These world-honored ones have all preached the doctrines of the single vehicle, converting countless living beings and causing them to enter the Buddha way. And these great sage lords, knowing what is desired deep in the minds of the heavenly and human beings and of the other, other living things throughout all the worlds, have employed still other expedient means to help illuminate the highest truth. If there are living beings who have encountered these past Buddhas, and if they have listened to the law, presented alms, or kept precepts, shown forbearance, been assiduous, practiced meditation and wisdom, and so forth, cultivating various kinds of merit and virtue, then persons such as these, 
all have attained the Buddha way. After the Buddhas have passed into extinction, if persons are of good mind and gentle mind, the living beings such as these have all attained the Buddha way. After the Buddhas have passed into extinctions, if persons make offerings to the relics, raising ten thousand or a million kinds of towers, using gold, silver, and crystal, seashell, and agate, carnelian, lapis luzi, pearls, to purify and adorn them extensively, in this way erecting towers, or if they raise up stone mortuary temples, or those of sandalwood or aloes, hovenia, or other kinds of timber, or of brick, tile, clay, or earth. If in the midst of the broad fields they pile up earth to make the mortuary temple for the Buddhas, or if little boys at play should collect sand to make a Buddha tower, then persons such as these have all attained the Buddha way. If there are persons who, for the sake of the Buddhas, fashion and set up images, carving them with many distinguishing characteristics, then all have attained the Buddha way. Or if they make things out of the seven kinds of gems, of copper, red, or white copper, pewter, lead, tin, iron, wood, clay, or use cloth soaked in lacquer or resin to adorn and fashion Buddha images, then persons such as these have all attained the Buddha way. Even if little boys in play should use a piece of grass or wood or a brush, or perhaps a fingernail, to draw an image of the Buddha, such persons as these, bit by bit, will pile up merit and will become fully endowed with minds of great compassion. They all have attained the Buddha way. Merely by converting the Buddhasattvas, they bring salvation and release to numberless multitudes. And if persons in the presence of such memorial towers, such jeweled images and painted images, should with reverent minds make offerings, of flowers, incense, banners, or canopies, or if they should employ persons to make music, striking drums or blowing horns or conch shells, playing pipes, flutes, zithers, harps, balloon guitars, cymbals, and gongs, and if these many kinds of wonderful notes are intended wholly as an offering, or if one with a joyful mind sings a song in praise of the Buddha's virtue, even if it's just one small note, then all who do these things have attained the Buddha way. If someone with a confused and distracted mind should take even one flower and offer it to a painted image, in time he would come to see countless Buddhas. Or if a person should bow or perform obeisance, or should merely press his palms together, or even should raise a single hand, or give no more than a slight nod of the head. And if this were done in offering to an image, then in time he would come to see countless Buddhas. And if he himself attains the unsurpassed way, and spreads salvation abroad and to countless multitudes, he will enter the nirvana of no remainder, as a fire dies out when the firewood is exhausted. If a persons, If persons with confused and distracted minds should enter a memorial tower, and once exclaim, Hail to the Buddha! Then all have attained the Buddha way. If from past Buddhas, when they were in the world or after their extinctions, there should be those who heard this law, then all have attained the Buddha way. 
the world-honored ones of the future, whose numbers will be incalculable. These thus-come ones will also employ expedient means to preach the law, and all these thus-come ones, through countless expedient means, will save and bring release to living beings, so that they enter the Buddha wisdom free of outflows. If there are those who hear the law, then not a one will fail to attain Buddhahood. The original vow of the Buddhas was that the Buddha way, which they themselves practice, should be shared universally among living beings, so that they too may likewise attain this way. The Buddhas of future ages, although they preach hundreds, thousands, millions, a countless number of doctrines, in truth do so for the sake of the single vehicle. The Buddhas, most honored of two-legged beings, know that phenomena have no constantly fixed nature, that the seeds of Buddhahood sprout through causation, and for this reason they preach the single vehicle. But that these phenomena are part of an abiding law, that the characteristics of the world are constantly abiding, this they have come to know in the place of enlightenment, and as leaders and teachers they preach expedient means. The presently existing Buddhas of the Ten Directions, whom heavenly and human beings make offerings to, who in number are like Ganges' sands, they have appeared in the world in order to bring peace and comfort to living beings, and they do, and they too preach the law in this way. They understand the foremost truth of tranquil extinction, and therefore employ the power of expedient means. And though they point out various different ways, in truth, they do so for the sake of the Buddha vehicle. They understand the actions of living beings, the thoughts that lie deep in their minds, the deeds they have carried out in the past, their desires, their natures, the power of their exertions, and whether their capacities are acute or dull. And so they employ various causes and conditions, similes, parables, and other words and phrases, adapting what expedient means are suitable to their preaching. Now I too am like this. In order to bring peace and comfort to living beings, I employ various different doctrines to disseminate the Buddha way. Through the power of my wisdom, I know the natures and desires of living beings, and through expedient means I preach these doctrines, causing all living beings to attain joy and gladness. Shariputra, you should understand that I view things through the Buddha eye. I see the living beings in the six paths, how poor and distressed they are, without merit or wisdom, how they enter the perilous road of birth and death, their sufferings continuing with a never a break, how deeply they are attached to the five desires like a yak enamored of its tail, blinding themselves with greed and infatuation, their vision so impaired they can see nothing. They do not seek the Buddha with his great might or the law that can end their suffering, but enter deeply into erroneous views, hoping to shed suffering through greater suffering. For the sake of these living beings, I summon up a mind of great compassion. When I first sat in the place of enlightenment and gazed at the tree and walked around it, for the space of three times, seven days, I pondered the matter in this way. The wisdom I have attained, I thought, is subtle, wonderful, the foremost. But living beings, dull in capacity, are addicted to pleasure and blinded by foolishness. With persons such as this, what can I say? How can I save them? 
At that time, the Brahma kings, along with the heavenly king Chakra, the four heavenly kings who guard the world, and the heavenly king Great Freedom, in company with other heavenly beings and their hundreds and thousands and ten thousands of followers, reverently pressed their palms together and bowed, begging me to turn the wheel of the law. Immediately I thought to myself that if I merely praised the Buddha vehicle, then the living beings sunk in their suffering would be incapable of believing in this law. And if they rejected the law and failed to believe in it, they would fall into the three evil paths. It would be better if I did not preach the law, but quickly entered into nirvana. Then my thoughts turned to the Buddhas of the past and the power of expedient means that they had employed, and I thought that the way I had now attained should likewise be preached as three vehicles. When I thought in this manner, the Buddhas of the Ten Directions all appeared and within Brahma sounds comforted and instructed me. Well done, Shakyamuni, they said. Foremost leader and teacher, you have attained the unsurpassed law. But following the example of all other Buddhas, you will employ the power of expedient means. We too have all attained the most wonderful, the foremost law. But for the sake of living beings, we make distinctions and preach the three vehicles. People of small wisdom delight in a small doctrine, unable to believe that they themselves could become Buddhas. Therefore, we employ expedient means, making distinctions and preaching various goals. But though we preach the three vehicles, we do it merely in order to teach the bodhisattvas. Shariputra, you should understand this. When I heard these sage lions and their deep, pure, subtle, wonderful sounds, I rejoiced, crying, Hail to the Buddhas! Then I thought to myself, I have come into this impure and evil world, and as these Buddhas have preached, I too must follow that example in my actions. After I had thought about the matter in this way, I set out at once for Varanasi. The marks of tranquil extinction borne by all phenomena cannot be explained in words, and therefore I used the power of expedient means to preach the five ascetics. This I termed turning the wheel of the law, and also with regard to the sound of nirvana, and arhat, dharma, and samha. I use these terms to indicate distinctions. From the infinite kalpas in the past, I have extolled and taught the law of nirvana, ending the long sufferings of birth and death. This is how I customarily preached. Shariputra, you should know this. When I looked at the Buddha's son, I saw incalculable thousands, ten thousands, millions who had determined to seek the Buddha way, every one with a respectful and reverent mind, all coming to the place of the Buddha. People who in the past had listened to other Buddhas and heard the law preached through expedient means. Immediately the thought came to me that the reason the thus come one has appeared is so he may preach on the Buddha wisdom. Now is precisely the time to do so. Shariputra, you should understand that persons of dull capacity and small wisdom, who are attached to appearances, proud and overbearing, are incapable of believing in this law. Now I, joyful and fearless, in the midst of the bodhisattvas, honestly discarding expedient means, will preach only the unsurpassed way. 
When the bodhisattvas hear this law, they will be released from all entanglements of doubt. The twelve hundred arhats, they too will attain Buddhahood. Following the same fashion that the Buddha of the three existences employ in preaching the law, I now will do likewise, preaching the law that is without distinctions. The times when the Buddha appears in the world are far apart and difficult to encounter. And even when they appear in the world, it is difficult for them to preach this law. Throughout incalculable, innumerable kalpas, it is rare that one may hear this law, and a person capable of listening to this law, such as a person, is likewise rare. It is like the Amdabara flower, which all the world loves and delights in, which heavenly and human beings look on as something rare, but which appears only once in many ages. If a person hears this law, delights in and praises it, even if he just utters one word, then he has made offerings to all the Buddhas of the three existences. But a person like this is very rarely found, rarer than the Umdabara flower. You should have no doubts. I, being king of the doctrines, make this announcement to the entire great assembly. I employ only the single vehicle way to teach and convert the bodhisattvas. I have no voice-hearer disciples. You, Shariputra, and the voice-hearers and bodhisattvas, you should understand that this wonderful law is the secret crux of the Buddhas. In an evil world of the five impurities, those who merely delight in and are attached to the desires, living beings such as this, in the end will never seek the Buddha way. When evil persons in the world hereafter hear about the single vehicle preached by the Buddha, they will be confused, will not believe or accept it, will reject the law and fall into the evil paths. But if there are those with the sense of shame, persons of purity, who have determined to seek the Buddha way, then for the sake of such as these, one should widely praise the way of the single vehicle. Shariputra, you should understand this. The law of the Buddhas is like this, employing ten thousand, a million expedient means. They accord with what is appropriate in preaching the law. Those who are not versed in the matter cannot fully comprehend this. But you and the others already know how the Buddhas, teachers of the world, accord with what is appropriate in employing expedient means. You will have no more doubts or perplexities, but your minds filled with great joy will know that you yourselves will attain Buddhahood. Notes Number 1. 62 possible views that arise from the two views that there is existence and that there is no existence. The term is often used to refer to all the non-Buddhist views that were current in Shakyamuni Buddha's time.